welcome everyone to Beats, Rye, and Types. Uh, my name is MRB, and uh, I'm here with my longtime pal AQ, and you are listening to the smooth intro sounds of Mulatu Astatke, who is uh, and this track called Tazeta or Nostalgia. This is Ethiopian jazz or Ethio jazz. If you've never heard it before, I suggest checking it out. It's from a compilation, a series of compilations called Ethiopiques that came around, came out around when the first part of my college years and was pretty influential to me and a group of friends of mine who were into exploring new and interesting music and Ethiopian jazz. And Muladu is the like the progenitor of Ethio jazz. He invented the sound. You came you came across that some time ago too, that right, right, Aaron? Yeah, it was uh, introduced to me by a former boss, Mark Bartlett, uh, who at one point gave me, I think, like. So we, we did some kind of insane trade of music where I had this pretty insane hip-hop collection and he had a pretty amazing jazz and um, electronic music collection and we made a big exchange and that was one of the albums that came along and it was on, I had this playlist for a long time that was like my sleep playlist and that album and like, it was like that album and the first Broken Social Scene album and a bunch of other like random albums that I thought were just like the best for going to sleep and having nice dreams. And I still and now I hear that album and I'm like starting to fall asleep. Close <laughs> it's like drama me. What are we down in the salt mines to uh, talk about today? So earlier this week you were in New York and you were at Russ and Daughters and you sent me a text to gloat that you were there, but also, but also that that the waitress complimented you on your ordering abilities. <laughs> and that reminded me that you and I have often eaten out together and also have gone out with big groups. And I think I'm the person in every group that I've ever gone out with who's responsible for ordering. I see, I actually not assume I know you are too. Uh, and when we go out together, we often – we have a joke that when we sit down, we ask the waitresses – our waiters for a four top instead of a two top because <laughs> we always order so much food. But it's actually kind of funny because you told me that story. But actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was at this really good new pizza place in New York called Marta, um, and they do this Roman style pizza. And I went out with two of my coworkers and we sat down and I was like trying to pick the menu and we came up with some pizzas that we wanted to order. And the waiter actually, after we ordered, the waiter just like looked at us and was like, wow. That's a really good order. <laughs> so, so, and that's not the first time that's happened to me. I feel like we have some knowledge to share about how to read a menu, how to order, and in general, how to just eat well. What, what's your take on that? I uh, have a lot of practice over time eating out at restaurants for, for years. That's, you know, the only way that I spent any of my, like, disposable income was basically going out to restaurants. I was extremely shabbily dressed, never had a car, never had a fancy apartment, but always tried to eat out as pretty regularly. Uh, And it's something that my wife and I really love to do together. I think I've been influenced by a couple people uh, in how to order and how to eat. Reading Jim Harrison books and stuff, right? Like you get inspired by this bon vivant approach to eating when you go to a restaurant you know the idea is to really enjoy it you know and forget about 
how you're supposed to be eating right and forget about how you're not supposed to be drinking too much because it's a Wednesday or whatever <laughs> and just enjoy the company that you're with and, and you know, do, do everything, you know. So that's what I, you know, that's what I like to do. I'd, I'd prefer to go out less regularly to a place where I can really go and enjoy. And I, that's why my favorite thing is to go out with like a, you know, not too large a group of people. But if you can go to a restaurant with like, you know, three or four or five or six people, you can really get it going. If everyone has a little cash to spare, you can, you know, set yourselves up pretty well. A friend of mine told me that he uh, had heard about a study and this study might be completely uh, fictitious. I don't know. He just it was a store anecdote that my friend told me, but that travelers who go on vacation and end up worrying about money the whole time and not spending a lot during the vacation, end up regretting a lot of decisions that they made throughout the vacation and like, oh, I wish I did that. I wish I did that. Whereas people who end up spending too much money and come home a little more broke never regret it. (laughs) And so (laughs) that's kind of how I approach going to eat too. It's like, I'm not going to really regret ordering too much food. I don't think I've ever actually done that. Even if there's a bunch of food on the table, you know, like I don't really regret it. Maybe I'll take some home, but I do regret leaving and being like, oh man, I wish I tasted that oyster dish. I wish I, I wish I tasted (laughs) that, that other thing and not having the opportunity to do it. So my approach is to, I wouldn't say over order, but definitely order a little beyond, I'd say 20% more than the maximum any human being can reasonably eat, and then just and then just take it from there. My wife often relies on me to do the like n plus one ordering thing, where she's like, <laughs> "Oh, you order," and then like if there's something we've been like discussing having, yeah, exactly. I end up saying, "All right, all right, we'll get that too." Is it two? Are we getting two appetizers and two entrees? Okay, and then you order four. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the trick. Yeah, but I mean, you know, my ideal my ideal scenario is, you know, uh, a cocktail before the meal, some something small to start, an appetizer, share a couple larger dishes. I like I like a bite or two of dessert, an after dinner drink, and then an espresso at the end of the night. That's my that's I'm always I I tend to be the person who's like dinner's over at 11:30 and and the waitress is like, "Do you want coffee?" I'm like, "Yes, actually." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone wonders how I'm capable of doing that, but I don't know. It just makes it it makes it for me. I just have a I have a taste for it. It may, it makes the thing feel complete for me. Same. I think it's that espresso at the end of the meal is also like, especially in New York when you're like, oh, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get home from wherever I am. It's like, and if you've had a bottle and a half or multiple of wine, it's the thing that keeps you awake in the cab ride home so that you can actually make it home and, and be conscious. I mean, sometimes I've gotten home and then end up like berating my wife. Like, oh my God, did how was that, you know, that dish that we had, that was so good and staying up all night <laughs> trying to trying to talk about it so it's not always the best idea sometimes it backfires but that's okay it's worth it yeah totally worth it what about you what other uh what what other insights did you uh want to share about the subject you know there's just a, a lot of ways to approach a menu and look at it and try to understand it i mean my my sense is to always lean towards whatever the chef thinks is good like if you're going to a good restaurant trust whatever they want to put 
at the top of the menu or any specials that they have or anything that the waitress or waiter recommends like at a, at a good if it's a good restaurant and you know that it's a good restaurant rely on their recommendations to to guide you through the process i mean sometimes people will drop recommendations on you and you're like you have no idea what you're talking about i'll move on and get get the special or get the get the thing that this place is known for but and sometimes you know they're just being a little pushy and trying to push some leftover fish on you but often you know those that can often lead to good guidance and and excellent meals i would say you you've taught me a lot about interacting with waiters and waitresses and <laughs> especially in terms of just making them laugh at you in a, in a <laughs> i think i've i've learned that trick and and used it to good measure to 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 get buddy buddy with people and it's and it's actually worked out a lot you know you can usually tell when you go to a restaurant if the people there like are into the game or not you know what i mean some places you go it's not necessarily like a place where you you expect the people out to work there to be particularly like thrilled about what they're doing but sometimes when you go to a restaurant doesn't matter doesn't have to be a nice restaurant it's whatever wherever you are right there's an advantage to getting kind of like that inside scoop into like what's really you know what's really going on at this place what should i order what's good what do you like you know you see what we are ordering what should we drink with that we know that kind of thing but definitely i like to never in like a i'm not i'm not like not in like a rude or like creepy way but like <laughs> i like to you know i i enjoy chatting with the people who who are uh, who are working at the restaurant that I'm eating at, and they often enjoy, you know, like actual having like actual conversations about things. And if you try, you're not like trying to impress them, you know. If you come off the bat with something about how like you know you're you know you're Mr. or Mrs. Foodie and you know everything about everything, they're not. That's not usually going to draw someone out of their shell, but yeah, I I'm glad you I'm glad you have appreciated that when we've dined together because that's a that's the thing I like to do. It's sort of like how I can't help but like start talking if I'm in an elevator with a group of people. I have this like, can I make this people in this elevator laugh in the like ten seconds that we're in the elevator together? It's kind of an annoying habit, I guess. Or one one thing I think I can add is like being a regular somewhere is like a really good feeling or thing if you've never done that before. And like it's really interesting how quickly you can develop a rapport with the place that you go to on a regular basis. And they really want to make you happy and keep you happy as a customer that comes back all the time. And they learn what you like and, you know, know you and you know, if, if you're in a rush and you need a table, they can squeeze you in and give you a table and that kind of stuff. And I really, I just, that's, that's just something that I appreciate a lot. It makes me in, you know, I can go to these places and eat like kind of the same stuff over and over even, and it doesn't always taste the same because the experience like evolves and changes and you get, it's like a relationship, you know, that's like a, it's a kind of an authentic relationship that's hard to replicate outside of that. One of my uh, greatest achievements in my entire life is becoming a regular at Kanji Village and uh, being recognized at Kanji Village. For, for those who don't know, Kanji Village is this Cantonese restaurant in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. There's actually two of them. There's Kanji Village and then Kanji Bowery. But I'm talking about... The original Kanji Village on Allen Street. I've gone there probably, I don't know, you and I have probably gone there at least 20 times together, but I've probably gone there individually maybe over 
100, 150 times. I don't know. It's been – there was a time when I was traveling back and forth between New York and California and every single – every two or three weeks, I would go there once or twice. And the main reason is they have this amazing dish called House Special Chicken, which is one of the greatest fried chicken dishes in New York, I would say, if not the greatest. Um, it's just like a fried steamed and then fried chicken, almost like a Peking duck, and then covered in steaming hot garlic sauce. And it's just amazing and delicious. Uh, and I've introduced a lot of people to the wonders of how special chicken over the years. So there's there's a couple things that you have to know about Kanji Village besides the fact that they have this delicious high social chicken. The other most important thing you have to know is that the wait staff is pretty notorious for being extremely grumpy, I would say. Sur- surly. Surly. Surly <laughs> in a really I don't even know how to describe it, like special way. Where they're so sur- <laughs> where they're so surly and so indignant of the fact that you're a customer that you kinda have to question if you were actually meant to be eating there. You know? But they're very consistent with their grumpiness too. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of yeah. It's somewhat affable grumpiness, it you know. Is, it's it a is. very large, very busy restaurant. That is not a restaurant, for example, that I've ever had any success, like breaking through and having an actual conversation <laughs> with. The, I've tried so many times to crack jokes there, and I dead, think they just dead. treat me worse. Just yeah, blank stares. Yeah, they're like, "Cool, I got. I hope you didn't want any rice." <laughs> One of my favorite grumpy stories is I took I took my my parents there. My mom's a pretty notoriously picky eater. I forget what we ordered. It was just like some kind of I think it was either soup dumplings or something like that. And they didn't bring us any of like the soup spoons. I asked the waiter, "Oh, can we get some spoons?" And he was like, "Oh, you want a spoon?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> like he was like mocking me for wanting a spoon with a soup dumpling. It was just ridiculous. And they definitely, I've definitely seen them do in the the Paul Rudd Wet Hot American Summer, like just ask them to get you a glass of water, and they're like, <laughs> just lean their head back and so so put out to get you a glass of water. But somehow I continue to go there over the years. The food is really good. The food is really good, and it's really inexpensive for what it is. Over the years, I've taken large groups of people there. My 30th birthday was there, which is really fun. So they have these private rooms in the basement where there are karaoke booths too, and you can rent out the room. And hilariously enough, in order to rent out the small room, you need to spend $600 at Kanji Village. That sounds like not a lot of money for like 20 people, but it was actually almost impossible to spend that much money at Kanji Village, even with ordering like a million drinks, uh, liquid cocaines and like 30 Ching Taos and everything, mainly because everything is just so inexpensive. But also there's the, like the maitre d' downstairs. I ended up becoming friends with him and that's one of my greatest achievements. His name is Johnny. He's a really good guy. Tell him how special chicken guy sent you because that's my name. <laughs> um one time we went there with a big group and we tried to order four house special chickens because there was 18 people. We could easily devour four chickens between 18 people amongst other things. So I said, okay, four house special chickens. And he said, no, two. I said, what do you mean two? We would like four house special chickens. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to eat that. Don't. We're not going to give you four house special chickens. And they would only give us two until finally we like – agreed that if we basically left anything on the plate, he would like be able to mock us and we would never be able to order house special chicken again. <laughs> now, every time I go there and go to the basement, I see Johnny is like, Hey, house special chicken guy. So nice. that's definitely one of my, one of my great achievements is at being a regular at, 
at Kanji Village. You and I have gone out there many times. It's also open very late night. Do you have some other tips for ordering it at Kanji Village? What are your other favorite things? Um, I've eaten so many amazing things there. I mean, I love House Special Chicken. Uh, the soup dumplings are, they're good. They're not great, but you always kind of have to get them because, you know, that's kind of, it goes very well with everything else. There's a pork dish that I like. The Peking pork chop. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Tea smoked, tea smoked duck. Oh yeah, it's good. Tea smoked duck is really good. I like to always have some kind of garlicky greens or greens with oyster sauce or something like that. Yeah, pro tip, if you go there, just ask what greens they have. Because sometimes during, if it's the right season, they'll have snow pea leaves or uh, watercress, like the Chinese watercress. And both of those are really good, but they only have them sometimes during the year. But yeah, I think that's a very good tip that you said before about, you know, order what special, order what's interesting, you know, order what people who work there, you know, recommend if you feel like, you know, they're not just kind of like randomly spouting things off. That can be, you got to filter for that, but you know, that happens. (laughs) I've definitely taken bad bad recommendations and then regretted it. I would also say also just being adventurous is like a very big, important thing that you kind of have to learn. I mean, if you're if you only if you've only eaten in the same type of places throughout your life, like and you come to New York or some other big city and are exposed to a lot of very different food, just trying things that are as far outside your comfort zone as you possibly can are is one of my favorite things to do. Not because I always end up liking what I get. Often I don't. I tried Persebis the other week or over the holidays, and that was an interesting trial. Those are like, what are they? I guess they're not mollusks. They're like, there's some kind of sea creature that sticks on rocks and you suck out the insides of them. And they were interesting, but they were a lot of work. And I ended up spraying Persebi juice all over the person sitting next to me. <laughs> they're, mo- they're mollusks. They're mollusks. Okay. But it's always really important to try what you don't know because you never know. One of those things might be like a really interesting thing that you've never tried before. And just expanding your palate is super, super important. I tried jellyfish at uh, Kanji Village. That also wasn't very good. But <laughs> I tried it. Yeah. I think, that's I think it's because it was dried and salted. It, it was kind of weird. They have frog leg kanji too. That's pretty good. The kanji is really good. I'm just thinking about kanji now. <laughs> Making me hungry. Yeah, making me hungry for kanji. There's a lot of things on a lot of, especially on fancy menus too, that, you know, sound weird or different or interesting. And I've had the pleasure of getting a bunch of different coworkers and my wife to try a lot of things that they've never tried before. And then them ending up really enjoying it or sometimes not. I think I got one of my coworkers, Dan Diego, to try eating chicken feet once and he was not. He was not a fan of chicken feet. You know, he tried it. I was very, very proud of him that he tried it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like to lead by example when I go out to dinner with a group of people who might not be adventurous eaters and just order and eat and say, oh man, this is so good. Try it. They see how much you're enjoying it. They want to try it. It is funny though, too, now that like I have two kids and trying to get them to try like new and interesting food is extremely challenging. And maybe it's something that most people develop later in life. I'm learning, um, obviously. What are what are where what are some of your favorite memories of going out and and eating really well in the past couple of years? 
One one memorable time is when we went to went to that Frankie's backyard barbecue oh, yeah. party. That was a really really good that was a really good time. So the Frankie's guys who Aaron was soliloquizing about their um, cookbook last episode, they have another restaurant called Prime Meats, and it has and in the back of Frankie's and Prime Meats, there's this event space. I went to a wedding in there once. That was really amazing too, actually. And the chef from Mission Chinese and Mission Cantina. Uh, Danny Bowen was doing a sort of collaboration pop-up restaurant in the backyard of Prime Meat Frankie's where they roasted a whole goat. He was serving goat tacos and they had punch, uh, alcoholic punch that they were selling by the glass. And that was a very uh, convivial atmosphere and everyone was kind of just hanging out and it was really fun and the food was amazing and that was a really good that was a really good time you know that was cool because it was like pretty much a fixed menu right I think we just ordered everything because there was like (laughs) only like three things and that's kind of what everyone else is doing so that was a really that was a special night because the food was super good and the company was really good and the atmosphere was awesome because I don't remember was it like spring or fall or something uh, it, was it was like definitely a little chilly I, I yeah that was amazing i still i i that goat dish like still i'm st- i still think about it it was like with the dates it, yeah it was it was like a roasted whole roasted goat but then it was like pulled almost like um it was cumin it was like a but cumin yeah roasted. it had like the chinese cumin flavors like western chinese cumin flavors plus dates which are like you know typical middle eastern goat or lamb and dates plus like i think um celery or something there were some other celery leaves yeah chilies oh it was so good yeah it was was really good it was like something from like john famous foods or something like that but like with goats and goat and dates it was really delicious um i recently went uh to that um there's like a uh, Vietnamese uh, shopping mall uh, or outdoor shopping area in Northern Virginia that's pretty famous. Some chefs have uh, like talked about how that w- it was an influential place for them, people from Virginia in the DC area. And I went out with my wife and kids there and it, that was really, really fun and really delicious because it was the first time that like since we moved down here that we had like really killer Vietnamese food and it was just so good and so just oh man it was a it was a a place called rice paper it's kind of like a not fusiony but it's just a little bit more modern than some of the other restaurants there and it was super delicious and i you know it was really great because it was maya and i have been out for like nice thai and we've gone tried a couple thai places that are like eh, only okay but finally getting some really good southeast asian food after being away from it for a long time was super memorable (laughs) how about you yeah, for a couple of years in a row, you and I and our wives were going out for like anniversary dinners, and those were some of my favorite meals of all time. Like we went to Cezanne one year in San Francisco, but that was before they they've moved spaces since then. This was in their old space on Nineteenth uh, Street, I think it was, and that was we sat outside by the fireplace, and I think we each had like seventeen glasses of wine. Or something <laughs> like that. That was that was definitely like a top three meal for me for sure. That was crazy. I mean, 
I still remember some of the dishes. Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was a long time ago, and we were extremely drunk. So I'm very proud of us for remembering anything. But yeah, that was really really nice. I mainly remember the dishes at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there was like a, some duck or something toward the end. But yeah, I remember all the... F- That's funny. I didn't think about that. But I remember most of the fish courses yeah. and the first courses, the eggs and stuff. Because I probably remember them because they were first. But I thought I, re- I thought I remembered them because they were the most memorable. But Which they were, but not in exactly the way that I was uh, assuming. There was this dish that was... Um, it was just like a glass cup like a tumbler and in the bottom of the cup like trout caviar just in a thin layer on the bottom of this tumbler and the idea was you just tip the tumbler back and put the whole thing in your mouth at once and that was like a i was like whoa (laughs) that was because it was the freshest most like it tasted like the sea meals like that just remind me how much i love going out and i love the feeling of being treated to not only nice food but the good company and just like new experiences because a lot of those dishes and a lot of those times that we've gone out were like very very new we went to 11 madison park together too and that was that was a also another epic really exciting meal i loved the uh time we were at uh ad hoc and they gave us the tiramisu for six or whatever it was (laughs) for for three of us and we were like okay we're not mad at that yeah that was a good that was a good one too that i keep i keep just obviously since we've had so many good meals together i keep kind of coming back to those when you ask me the question of like recent recent times that i've uh had good meals that time we went to pock pock with brian lopez that was really really fun too that was a night where we kind of went for it lots of lots of cocktails lots of food Another another time when the the waitress complimented us on our ordering skills. <laughs> we did a good job there. Shout out to shout out to Andy Ricker and Pock Pock. That's that's still somehow the restaurant that I kind of miss more than any other restaurant since leaving Brooklyn. I don't really know why. I guess I because I I hadn't I hadn't completed my love affair with the restaurant yet. You know, I was still we were still in our honeymoon phase so i i you know what i mean i like i hadn't gone there enough times like other places i miss but i feel like i've gone there enough that it's not a big deal but pot it hurts it hurts that i don't have access to pock pock anymore maybe they'll open one in dc yeah that'd be dope yeah word well thanks everybody for tuning in uh we have more episodes coming up soon more guests coming up soon too we we have a bunch of guests in the works so hopefully that'll all work out and you'll don't have to get tired of listening to the two of us anymore (laughs) impossible (laughs) we hope to hear your feedback everyone who's been tweeting at us we really appreciate it all right muladu take us away